Now we're getting to the bottom of everything. It's time for Mother Angelica. I mean, that's awesome. Answering the call. Answering the call. This world is no place for Catholic chickens. Answering the call. You call that a failure? I call it a great success. Here's Father Joseph and Doug Keck. It's another week and hence another new edition of Mother Angelica Answering the Call. Hi, I'm Doug Keck, co-hosting as always with my friend and our chaplain here at EWATN. That's Father Joseph Mary Wolf as we listen to Mother take on some questions from her classic TV programs of the 80s and 90s that are still just as relevant today. Always great to be with you, Father. And with you, too. And we're uh, enjoying a lot of pilgrims that have been visiting, passing through. And I keep hearing over and over again, we didn't know you existed until COVID. And we start watching, and now we watch you every day. But one of the comments they make a lot of times is that we go into your little chapel, and it looks so much bigger on television. And I think that's one of the things. Don't we all? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) But I think that's one of the reasons our masses. It's a, it's like you're there because it is a little place, only seats 72, and yet that's the heart of everything, the heart of this campus, Jesus and the Eucharist. Well, that's what, but that's totally reflective of Mother's family-like atmosphere, hmm. a cozy, yes. warm, mm-hmm. inviting. Right. Uh, you know, there's other churches that are, you know, marble and they're beautiful, mm-hmm. and but there was something very hearth-like about the chapel. And that's what you feel when you go in there. And that's why, since I've been in charge of the chapel, we've had adoration every day, including uh, weekends and so on, because I want when people come here that they feel that warmth. Right, absolutely. The warmth of our Lord's Eucharistic heart. And beautiful music, thanks to you as well, Mm -hmm. and and Derek. And our topics for today, we've got how to know Mm -hmm. God is calling you, an opportunity to come back to Jesus. Did you ever meet Mother Teresa? (laughs) Uh, We'll hear Mother's story there. Mm -hmm. And a couple of topics to kick things off, praying to get through a tough time and stop trying to change people. Let's talk about praying to get through a tough time. Yeah, working on Wall Street, that's got to be a challenge, you know, as this man's talking about it. But as Mother brings out, there's no reason for us to be jealous of anyone because each of us has been given unique gifts by God that nobody else has. There's a unique way that we worship God, that we love God, that we reveal God. So there's really no reason for us to compare ourselves with others. And that's when we get into trouble, is when we're comparing ourselves, our gifts or finances or whatever, um, that's when we get into trouble and we start questioning whether we really do have all that we should have. And it's amazing how often we can get ourselves jealous of what other people have. And mm-hmm. if you stop yourself and say, well, would you give up what you have for that? You say, absolutely not. Right, exactly. But you have to realize that there's no free lunch. Mm-hmm. Most people have had to give something else. It's a barter game in life. Mm-hmm. And if you're not willing to do that, and just before we go, there's also the topic of stop mm-hmm. trying to change people. Yeah, and Mother's talking about, well, let's change the way we look at people. So instead of trying to change people, because each of us has our own path, each of us needs to be converted and to grow in virtue, and that includes the people who bug us, and we bug them at times. So let's change the way we look at them, and let's help them to grow in virtue through our charity and our encouragement. Right, and ultimately, no one can change anybody. You have to be able to see something and change it in yourself, praying to get through a tough time, and also stop trying to change people. And now we have a call. Hello? 
Hello, Mother Angelica. Yeah. My name is Carmen, and I'm from Bayonne, New Jersey. Wonderful. And I have to tell you right off the bat that my wife, Frances, and myself absolutely love you and adore you. You're a big inspiration to us. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, Mother Angelica, I, I work in a big firm at Wall Street, and uh, I, mm -hmm. I live in the corporate world, so to speak, and I don't always go by uh, how corporate people act to certain things. And uh, I was just wondering, when you have a tough day and, and you don't want to be jealous and you don't want to be mad or anything like that, is there a certain type of prayer you could pray to God and or St. Joseph to help you get through a tough time? Well, you've already been victorious by the fact that you said you don't want to. That's very key. Uh, you don't want to feel, you said, jealous. You don't want to feel anger. That's number one, very important. That tells me and tells Jesus that isn't in your heart. It's up here. <clears throat> when you're aware now, you may not be aware for a few minutes or a few hours that you have a, a bad disposition over somebody or you're jealous. Then say, Jesus, I'm sorry, but that's me, and help me not to be jealous again. And pray for that person you're jealous of. Just short prayer. I don't know how, as a broker in New York, you have any time. Did you ever see this uh, exchange? Don't they look like a bunch of nuts, you know? <laughs> I, I never saw such a distraught group of people. The funny part is to me that somebody somewhere knows when they're going this way and this way and that way and this way. It's amazing the country survives. I wouldn't be jealous of anybody. We're all created by God for a special reason, to have a special degree of glory in His kingdom. He promised us that he would go and prepare a place for us, just for you. And nobody is like you. There's been nobody in the world from Adam and Eve to now like you. Is that awesome? And there'll be nobody like you after you. You're unique. All of you in snow country. There's not too many a big blizzard. There's not two flakes of snow that look alike. And what do you do? Uh, snow. And God says, oh, I'm going to make every flake different. You hate to walk on them, you know? They're all different. So don't, it's okay. We can't help what we feel. And I'm glad to say you don't want it. That's a big step. So just be simple. Be gentle with yourself. You can say it's a Michael prayer, but oh, I don't think you have time in that kind of business to say it's a Michael prayer. <laughs> Sometimes you can be, I got a little book. Well, I didn't have it. The Lord gave me, it's called Ad-Lib with the Lord. It's for people just like you. What is it, $5? I got the vice president here to tell me what it costs. $5. You're a broker. <laughs> <laughs> Did I hear him right? 
So, get that little book, I'll send it to you, and just look at it and you'll come up with a brand new way of talking to God. We have another call, hello? Uh, hello, Mother Angelica? Yeah, where are you from? Um, I'm from Maryland. And what is your question? Well, there was, it's not really a question, it's um, two things that I wanted to mention to you. Um, the first was about tolerance, what you were talking about tonight. Tolerance. Yeah. Um, it's about uh, my husband and myself. And um, I, we knew before we got married that there was a lot about us that was uh, incompatible. <laughs> and um, over the years, uh, I guess I went on a little spiritual growth, I guess you could say. My prayers used to be, God, change him. Just change him. I can't stand him, you know? Yeah. And it grew into a prayer that's now... Um, Lord, uh, please help me to love him more. That's and, better? Yeah, and it's instead of wanting to change him. I think that's a beautiful prayer because many times our intolerance is, is what makes us so impatient with other people. We have to love other people the way they are at this moment, knowing, knowing they have to get better, knowing they have to change, you see. You can't love people and wait for them to change. You won't end up loving anybody. You have to love people as they are right now, hoping, hoping they'll be better, but hoping you'll be better. And I think what helped you the most is that perpetual adoration you went to. See? When you go before the blessed, I can't say that often enough. No matter what kind of problems are in this world, there's only two things that are going to change you. Adoration before the blessed sacrament, prayer before the blessed sacrament, devotion to the blessed sacrament, processions to the blessed sacrament, and love for our sweet mother. If we don't get those two things back in our lives, in our churches, in our country, you can call it quits. Next up, a topic of vocations, really, mm -hmm. uh, for any of us, but especially, I think, for religious, uh, how to know when God is calling you. How about you? Yeah, well, I didn't know. Well, I'd had a sense, you know, God is calling me when I was in engineering school, but I resisted that, <laughs> as many young men do. And uh, But that call continued to persevere. And then I came across this nun needing an engineer, and I thought, well, maybe I'll figure it out, you know, if I come down there and help her for a while. And never left, thanks be to God, and just to see the remarkable things that happened here. Right. It's amazing uh, the, the way that seems to happen. And I think one of the great things I know I went on a Curcio, and one of the things that gave me insight to was to quiet myself down mm -hmm. and realize that the image I had was I was in a dark room and all I had to do was open the windows, mm. you know, raise the blinds. The light was there. Yeah. But I was blocking it out myself and I wasn't looking for it. And if you start to listen, mm -hmm. um, the, the Lord is speaking to you. That's a great point, and I can think of that. You know, when I came here, that's when I started to go to daily Mass, and then later, adoration and pray the Divine Office, and I was able to hear the Lord's voice that, yes, indeed, He was calling me. Right, and and, and that's for lay people as well, whether whatever mm -hmm. state you happen to be right. called to. So that's an important for people to remember, even just in their in their own married life. You know, and Mother talks about making the stations, and 
When I was up there with the caregivers of Mother Angelica, they wanted to see these sites where Mother had prayed, and we went to St. Anthony's Church where these stations are that Mother talks about. I said, we should make a Stations of the Cross book with these stations, which is exactly what we did. So you can find that book uh, on Religious Catalog with these actual stations and the Pieta and the Sorrowful Mother. Absolutely. It was interesting because uh, I knew about the book and, and your inter- interest in putting that out about the fact that it was so important to Mother's spirituality. How to know God is calling you. We have another call. Hello? Hello, Mother. Yes. Where are you from? Pennsylvania. Wonderful. What is your question? Well, I have a couple of questions. Mm-hmm. Um, one is how did you become interested in becoming a nun? And did you know that was your calling? And how can I, like, do something to become a nun? Like, <laughs> I don't know how to explain it, but I'm only 14 years old, and I really want to be a nun when I'm older. You want to be one? Yes. Good for you. I hated it when I was a kid. <laughs> I never wanted to be a nun. I really never did. Um, but I, I didn't choose to be a nun. God chose me. When I was healed, I think I told you that before, of a stomach ailment, I knew for the first time, when I was in my late teens, 18, perhaps 19, and I was here, and I was a, a, a nominal Catholic. We went to church Easter Christmas. I, I knew God. I believed everything. that I could recite the question and the answer. But I didn't know Jesus. I didn't know Jesus. I didn't know he knew me. He loved me. He cared for me, me, me. But when I got healed, I knew there was something different. He did know me just like he knew Zacchaeus. He loved me like he loved Zacchaeus. He invited me, he called me to serve him. And the only way I knew is I used to started making stations of the cross after I was healed after work. And I had made my stations, and I knelt before the, the Pieta, the Sorrowful Mother. And I, when I knelt down, I knew. At that moment, I knew I had a vocation. I didn't know where. And I tried very hard to enter a few uh, different uh, uh, orders, but I, they, wouldn't, they didn't want me because my grades were so bad. That's why people think I'm so smart. (laughs) I worked hard for my F's. (laughs) Well, I went down the scale. And I'm not excusing myself, but when you're hungry and cold, very poor, and you're one, one, uh, one parent family, you're not interested in the capital of Iowa. You're interested only in survival. I didn't know God, see. I'm afraid I'm not a good example of how to get a vocation. But I think if you want to to be a nun, that's already a beginning. 
a beginning. And you have to ask Our Lady every day, say, Sweet Mother, if, if I'm called to serve your son, please show me the way. And she will go to Mass, say your rosary every day. Most important, I would think also not most important, is to begin to read the lives of the saints. Good books, good spiritual books. Prepare your heart. Put it in the right direction. If you have a vocation, you'll know it one day like I did. There's more Mother Angelica answering the call on EWTN Radio. Let's return to Mother Angelica answering the call with Father Joseph and Doug Kecht on EWTN Radio. And thank you so much for staying with us for part two of Mother Angelica Answering a Call as we move ahead with Father Joseph Mary Wolf and myself, Doug Keck, hosting this program. Next up, an opportunity to come back to Jesus. That always exists, but sometimes we don't think so. Yeah, and like Mother so often brings out, it takes time. You know, that we like instant answers, we like instant solutions, we like instant internet, you know, all these things. But that's not how God operates because he's not coercive. And so he works gently, inviting the soul. And our prayers and our perseverance in prayer really matters and makes a difference. And we just need to persevere. Right. And it's interesting, too, because this person kind of belittles their own faith. Seems like I only ask mm-hmm. for his help when we're in trouble, which yeah. you see that a lot of times with people. But at least with a sense of knowing at that time I can turn uh, mm-hmm. There's something there that you can build on. Exactly. It's a start, you know, and sometimes, like one man said to me who was dying of brain cancer and he'd been away from the church for a long time, he said, sometimes we never look up until we're flat on our backs. And that can be a start. You know, we begin to seek God and to seek the answers to the meaning of life and uh, why we're here at all. And even Mother talks about the idea about how important when a sinner repents, all heaven rejoices. At the, and she herself mm-hmm. said, I didn't really know Jesus until I mm-hmm. got sick and I was healed. And in a lot of ways, people who do suffer uh, have those insights. Mm-hmm. Suffering does bring us light. Uh, Pope John Paul spoke of a spark of redemption being present where there's suffering. So something of what Jesus accomplished is present where they're suffering. He's working. He's doing something to draw that soul and to give it grace. So let's see what Mother had to say to this gentleman named Guy about his opportunity to come back to Jesus. We have another call. Hello? Mother Angelica? Yes. Yeah, my name is Guy. I'm from West Palm Beach, Florida. Uh-huh. And I'm going through a difficulty right now. And my marriage of 16 years is ending up in a divorce. And out of that marriage, three wonderful children were born. Mm-hmm. And I was baptized in the Roman Catholic Church. Even though I do believe in the existence of the mighty Lord, and I know His will, mm-hmm. I want to know why, if it's wrong, that it seemed to me it's only when I'm in trouble that I seek His help. I want to know if it is wrong to do so and if he's still going to listen to my prayer. 
Oh, I, you know what the Lord said one day? He said, when a sinner repents, all of heaven rejoices. You make them very happy up there, see? Because you're coming back to Jesus. Unfortunately, it may have taken a, a divorce to get you back. Huh? You always have an opportunity to go back and come back to Jesus. Always. You should never, never, never uh, despair. I didn't know Jesus until I got sick and it was healed. Everybody, sometimes those of us that are stubborn, whatever, we, we have a tendency not to need God until a need is there. That's unfortunate. But God loves you very special. And maybe with this trial you're suffering, you'll begin to pray. You'll go back to Jesus. You'll go back to Our Lady. Ask Him to mend this marriage. Ask Him to mend this deep, deep hurt. And go to confession. Show Jesus that you really want to change. You really want to change. You really want Jesus to change your heart, to change your wife's heart. And, and you don't want to just go there now because you got a, an intention. You want to use this opportunity. Well, we ran out of cough drop. Uh, anybody got one? You want to use this opportunity to come back to Jesus. See? Oh, he hears your prayer. He will always, always hear your prayer. The worst sinner in the world. When Teresa said, Teresa, the little flower, wanted to save souls. And she heard this man was going to be hung or beheaded. I forget what it was. Because he killed um, a man and a woman. And he was very, very angry. He didn't want a priest around. And she prayed and prayed and prayed. And then she read, as he's gone up the guillotine, or the hangman's noose, whatever, he kissed the crucifix. He was sorry. Thank you. He was sorry. See how quick. So please, let this terrible pain that you suffer in your heart, and your wife too, don't forget, she's suffering too, be an occasion for you to come back to Jesus. And wrapping up this week's program, another caller. Did you ever meet Mother Teresa? That mm -hmm. was the question. How about you, Father? Did you ever meet Mother Teresa? I did when I was a seminarian in Rome. I heard she was going to be there. And uh, it was such a pleasure. She's a tiny little lady. And uh, she loved to hand out miraculous medals. And she would kiss them and give them to you. And so I still have that treasure. And, you know, Mother's own encounter with Mother Teresa, we actually have a photograph of that. And you'll see there that she really is a tiny little uh, powerhouse, mm -hmm. Mother Teresa. And I often like, I, I like to say that God gave us two mothers, one to teach us the corporal works of mercy, Mother Teresa, and one to te teach us the spiritual works of mercy, Mother Angelica. Right. And I remember uh, I was talking to Father Groeschel at a retreat before I came to work at EWTN, and, and he knew Mother Teresa very mm -hmm. well. And he always said, oh, she kept you, you know. 
she's a powerhouse, <laughs> like you said. She's a human dynamo. Yeah. She keeps things going. And also with EWTN, she said, Mother Angelica, she makes the trains run on time, so <laughs> you're going to have a lot of work to do. <laughs> yeah, those ladies, um, you know, you think about people who say, well, women don't really have any power in the church. Well, look at Mother Teresa and Mother Angelica, who were just faithful to the Lord, and he did wonderful things to them. And, and who's more powerful in that way than the Blessed Mother? Amen. We'll see. Did you ever meet Mother Teresa? We have another call. Hello? Hello, Mother. Hey, where are you from? This is Rita from Bellevue, Ohio. Wonderful. I think you're wonderful. (laughs) Uh, I know you were so honored to meet our Holy Father, Mm. and uh, I wondered, have you ever met um, Mother Teresa? Mm. I spent, uh, we were on, there were one, two, three, four of us, I think, at least three of us, going to Italy. We had uh, founded a little monastery there, and we also founded a uh, recording studio that had six recording studios where we made 20,000 tapes in 20 languages, or 10,000 tapes in 20 languages. And we were on our way to Rome, and the uh, stewardess, or the woman at the gate, I guess it was, she came to me and she said, we're going to put you in, all of you in first class because Mother Teresa's there. And I think the only person in first class was the president of the World Bank. And I noticed he stayed as far away from Mother Teresa and I as possible. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, she and I and the sisters spent eight hours together. And it was a, a memorable time. For more about Mother Angelica and to listen to her shows, go to EWTN.com. See you next time on Mother Angelica, answering the call only on EWTN Radio.